welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, the Avengers arrive early, Sandman gets bigger, Black Mask Studios takes us into the wilds, and Saga returns. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I apparently just nudged something on my... Okay, there we go. I'm sorry for the second week in a row. You guys have to hear my mixer slowly dying, and that is unfortunate for everybody. But what is not... Is it like, is it dying, dying, like there's going to be a funeral, or is it just that you didn't calibrate correctly? No, no, no. It's, I mean, it's got problems. I mean, who doesn't? It's got it's got problems. It's got, it's got, it's, you know, it's we, got emotional issues that it's working through. We um, might have to take it to the vet and just have them uh, put, old, put old Sparky down. No, I'm not going to take it to the vet. I'm going to take it out back and unload a shotgun into it. <laughs> But you know what's not unfortunate is the show. This show, guys, the show, the comics show that we do. I'm David Luzader. That's Nick Shermooksness. You are and the listening the sh- audience. And <laughs> this is the show where we talk about comic books and all that good stuff. What were you going to say? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think the moment's passed. No, I think it's still here. We're still stewing in it. What were you going to say? Uh, I, I was I was just going to say that it's the only thing that gives our lives meaning. So That thank you for listening. is not terribly far from the truth. <laughs> I did get a tattoo that is essentially in celebration of this podcast. So, oh my gosh, you're right. And wasn't I the one that came up with Doctor Manhattan? Um, I don't remember the genesis um, of it. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna have to just go back and re-listen to the Doctor Manhattan episode. I'm pretty sure it's entitled Doctor Manhattan, so that I'm wouldn't pretty be. Sure it is. I'm, I'm gonna, when I'm driving later, I think I'm going to listen to it because I, I just really want to know if you got something tattooed on your body as a dr- direct result of an idea I had. Uh, see, it's not, but it's because of Phil Rude, the wonderful Phil Rude, who designed it. So really, the, true. The, all respect to Phil Rude for the for his wonderfulness and his wonderful design. But you know, the idea. Just, I want to know that there's something permanent on your body that I came up with. Look, Nick, I got nothing. So why don't we just go ahead and get started <laughs> with the show and we'll dive first into some news. Our top story today. After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Guys, Avengers Infinity War is coming out. It's coming out a lot sooner than it was before. I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but it's still exciting that Marvel has moved up the release date of Infinity War from May, I don't remember, to April 27th. Uh, May, I don't remember. Uh, I think that's around when my birthday is. It was, I mean, it's whatever a week after the 27th (laughs) is, because they, you know, they had, in fact, do you have the news story open? I, oh, you do? Or do Do, I? Do you? Sure, after I do a couple of clicks. Ugh, you're the worst. Okay, so I want you to warm up your Robert Downey Jr. impression. Uh, hey, kids. Okay, that's horrifying, but sure, we're going to go with it. I will play the role of Marvel Studios. You will play Robert Downey Jr. Okay. And, uh, and we will do... We, this is the exchange that happened on Twitter that led to this happening. Okay. Remember, I'm Marvel, I'm Marvel Studios. Here we go. <clears throat> On a scale of 1 to infinity, how excited are you to see Hashtag Infinity War on May 4th? Uh, any chance I could see it earlier? Good God. Uh, <laughs> anything for you, Mr. Stark. How's April 27th? Great. With friends? You mean these friends? Chris Evans, Chadwick Boseman, Michonne from uh, uh, The Walking Dead? Because <laughs> I, I don't know how to pronounce Deny Guerrera? Yeah, that, that name. Mark Ruffalo, Don Cheadle, Anthony Mackie? The entire world. That's a fantastic idea. Done. Avengers Infinity War in theaters everywhere April 27th. You guys wanted it. You got it. See you there April 27th. I would... Here's a gif saying, guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Boom, boom. Pew, pew. My least favorite line in Avengers is the follow-up to that line. 
what I would love is if we go back and we just redub all of Robert Downey Jr.'s lines in the entire MCU with you doing that voice. <laughs> that would be a fun project, I think. Uh, it would also be time-consuming because that guy is in a lot of movies. Yeah, maybe we can just pick one. Just one. Or just maybe one. just a couple of scenes. Like yeah. his best scenes in all the movies there we redubbed go. I'm into with that. my voice. I also like that Marvel Studios said that's a fantastic idea, and the only uh, thing that ran through my head was Fantastic Four. was like, but you guys can't Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the conspiracy theorists were i mean because disney is maybe buying fox like we have to remind people it's not a done deal it's still it's still out there a little bit uh anyway this and is if you want to know about what i think about marvel using fantastic four check out my blog uh, backslash backslash creed thoughts <laughs> oh creed thoughts that was an actual thing on the nbc website for a little while was it <laughs> yeah it was never as good as you know the joke in the show. So, fair um, enough. So why do you think that my theory is why they, why they moved it up is uh, spoilers. They don't want, because usually like the UK gets it uh, a week before it gets out here. And I think they just don't want anybody saying anything early. Right. I mean, that's, that's most likely what it is. Uh, it's not something they've ever really cared about in the past. Like they, they, I think to a certain extent, they know people are going to see it. So unless the movie's bad, which I don't think they, no. have this, I mean, I, obviously, so far along that they have to release it regardless. Uh, enough bad movies end up in theater. That's not like they pull the plug once they realize, like, oh, this movie's actually crap. Um, but I feel like they wouldn't, as a as far as the money makers are concerned, like, I don't think they necessarily care whether it gets spoiled for people or not because they know people are going to end up in the seats either Yeah, way. yeah, but I think I think they're wanting to keep people from knowing that um, that Chris Evans' Captain America dies in this film, which is still, like, I'm, I'm that is what I'm going for that is as far as i'm concerned what is happening in this film uh <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only thing everything we've seen in the trailer so far oh no. it was just made for the trailers it's literally just a movie a two and a half hours of chris evans dying. Chris, i would watch that um yes. i would I'd be, I'd be pretty sad actually through that but but uh now it's I, the catharsis i need it's the right for some reason i hate chris evans's stupid handsome face it's so handsome um Oh, what was I going to say? About, oh, yeah. And I, I've laid out, I think probably on this podcast, exactly what I think the plot of this movie is going to be. Like, that's not really going to be a surprise. Uh, but I think there there is going to be something that will happen that they're going to – they don't want that leaking early. Fair, sure. Again, I I'm, I I would still throw that as as far as like any any other type of spoiler, and that it it's gonna if it comes out, it comes out. If anything, yeah. you know, it's probably I mean, gonna come it's gonna out be, early it's gonna anyway. Be, it's gonna be spoiled for people anyway. Like, there's gonna be someone who doesn't go see it on opening week who you know is gonna wind up finding out whatever it is in a GIF two days later. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, they obviously moved it back a week because of the Zionist agenda in order to try and take over the world. <laughs> Well, you heard it here first. Folks. <laughs> Breaking news: the Zionist agenda <laughs> controls the Avengers movies. In um, other news, though, uh, Brian Michael Bendis has announced two new Jinx World titles that will never come out now that their home at, is at DC. I should uh, elaborate on that sentence, and that it's not that because they're at DC that they'll never come out. It's that most Jinx World books from Bendis tend to show up for a hot second and then are terribly <laughs> delayed. So I really don't expect anything different um gotcha. but we've got pearl with michael gatos uh who's the co-creator of ben uh, oh i thought i said co-creator of bendis he co-created brian michael bendis <laughs> well, yeah brian michael Jessica bendis was Jones. grown into a lab was grown brian into michael... a lab he was grown in a lab uh by marvel which is why the internet was like so upset it was like wait they they made bendis but yeah you know he he escaped he got out he did he compressed did. down like a cat and moved through a seam in a door <laughs> Uh, I should have mentioned that Pearl will have covers by David Mack, uh, known for Kabuki. Uh, Pearl is a story uh, nope, about nope, nope, nope. What? Cover, cover is a separate book. No, no. The cover. Wait, is that not a Michael? Is that not a David Mack cover? That's totally a David Mack cover uh, for Pearl. Uh, I don't think it says anywhere in there that covers by. Are you, you reading? Know, are you reading I, I and read, cover with I, David Mack? No, 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 no. Thanks for spoiling the second part of the story. Um, I, I, I originally read this 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 news on a different website, which is probably not the most reliable website. Oh, CBR. Um, <laughs> and um, 
I'm pretty sure they said that the covers for Pearl were also being done by David Mack, but that he also was doing cover with David Mack. Well, that's just intentionally misleading. Anyway, what is this Pearl? Does about? that not look like the anyway? Anyway, uh, Pearl is a story about finding out and embracing who you are, not what you were born to be. This sweeping epic romance is set against the violent backdrop of war and yakuza factions in modern day San Francisco. Pearl is a very special tattoo artist and accidental assassin whose life is turned accidental. I don't know if that makes you an assassin. If it's by accident. Yeah. What? Like you stumbled onto a contract and then killed someone. It's like, like she's really bad at tattoos. <laughs> it's like, like someone handed her what she thought was a McDonald's receipt. And then she turns around and like stabs someone by accident when they no, bumped no, into her. I, and the receipt happened to say that person's name. I'm imagining that she's like tattooing someone, but is like so bad at it that she's like presses the needle like into their heart as she's <laughs> like tattooing. And that's how she kills them. That. Yeah, anyway, so uh, I have a lot of issues with the term accidental assassin. We, but apparently also... we both do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this accidental assassin's life is turned upside down when she falls for her counterpart from a rival faction of accidental. Can we just actually, can stop, can we just create a book called The Accidental Assassins it's... with people that just, assassins that accidentally kill people? I'm into that. I'd also, okay. It also sounds like a phrase that I've heard before, like there's a, there's a, uh, album or something oh the accidental accidental assassin is a book right like it's almost like um like i would like you would say um like chuck on actually i don't even know you could say accident like he, no, he like, becomes like, like an accidental uh, secret agent a book from a book by nicole chase is called the accidental assassin oh well, uh, realizing that they're both products of a hellish environment with few prospects for real happiness, Pearl and her new lover are determined to escape the life and chart their own fates together. Spoiler alerts, it's Romeo and Juliet, and they'll die at the end. Yeah, that's like super <laughs> telegraphed, mm-hmm. hardcore. As uh, and then, oh, sorry, what? As, just as we were reading through that, I'm like, this is Romeo and Juliet. It basically is. Uh, we also have, as aforementioned, a cover with David Mack. Uh, it's based on a true story. The intelligence community figures out that the traveling band of social misfits who make comic books are an exact match to the profile of the candidates recruited for intelligence and counterintelligence gathering. A very well-known comics creator is recruited by the agency to live a double life as a spy, and convention season is upon us. With a nod to films like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and The In-Laws, this comic celebrates comics, comic creators, readers, and, of course, spies. I will bet you money the name of the comic creator in this is Peter, and it's a stand-in for Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> Based on a true story of my own life. Now, what this reminds me of is, and I don't think this was exclusively about comics. I remember there actually was a comic that detailed this story way, way, way back when. I forget the comic company that published it. It may have been Boom. Um, but it was that post-9-11 that the uh, intelligence community had recruited fiction writers in order to come up with like doomsday scenarios. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was true. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to that vein and it will be very interesting to how these stories play out. Whether or not I check them out remains to be seen. I've really never checked out any of Bendis's other Jinx world titles. Um, I mean, straight up this Pearl one, like, it's it's Romeo and Juliet. I don't know. I don't know what they're like what they're trying to be clever with here. Oh, but it's like Yakuza and tattoo artists and it's like yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, this cover one is more interesting, but it also seems like Brian Michael Bendis is wanting to be like I could be a spy. <laughs> yeah, I could totally be a spy. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh... You know, maybe Bendis could be a good spy, David. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he is. A, maybe he's been a spy for DC this entire time, and now he's finally coming back. His cover has been blown, or he's he's, he's finally completed his mission. Now he's going back to DC with all his dirt. There you go. Um, that's what this, that's what cover will actually be about. It'll be a confession of Bendis about his time infiltrating uh, corporate espionage with Marvel. With Marvel, yeah, and um, helping them sell a buttload of comics. <laughs> right oh it backfired dc must be pissed yep well and also just to throw on the end here that dc comics will be reprinting the entirety of the jinx world line digitally and in print with the first five issues available for free download right now so you can get powers scarlet united states of murder inc brilliant and takio and get what is essentially 
uh, dialogue with pictures around the edges of it because that's what Barmichael Bendis does when he writes. <laughs> it's also literally a description of most comic books. Dialogue no, with pictures no, around. no, no, no. I, I, I know what the Come joke on, you're making. Man. <laughs> well, that's not the only imprint news we have because DC has confirmed now that a spin-off Sandman imprint is coming, uh, potentially called Sandman Universe. Uh, but this is something that Neil Gaiman uh, is at the head of. I, I just paused there because I'm like, wait, because I used to call him Neil Gaiman, but I've embraced now the correct pronunciation of Neil Gaiman. So I was like, wait, did I say it correctly? Anyway... Uh, several books have been announced. Only the writers so far. We don't really have any of the artists. Uh, but they are... Well, so there can be four new comic series with a one-shot, that being the Sandman Universe, uh, which begins in August. And it will catch readers up on what's been going on in the dreaming sense, uh, I'm assuming, the end of Sandman. And the dreaming has... And Dream has gone missing yet again, leaving chaos in its wake. Uh... So this book, we will see actual uh, Gaiman writing on it with uh, other names on there. Cy Spurrier, Nalo Hopkins, Ket Howard, and Dan Waters. Also coming out is the Sandman Universe number one, which will be plotted by Gaiman, but uh, written by Nalo Hopkinson, Ket Howard, Cy Spurrier, and Dan Waters. Uh, so the special will be leading into that, I guess. Uh then there is also House of Whispers, which has Nalo Hopkinson, uh, which explores how the voodoo deity Erzuli uh, ended up in the Dreaming with her titular house, and it may have something to do with a comatose woman named Latoya, whose girlfriend and sisters use the Book of Whispers to try and heal her. Also, there is Books of Magic. Cat Howard will be writing this, and it will follow up on Gaiman's 1990s miniseries of the same name and explore Timothy Hunter's magical education as he's torn between two powerful destinies. There is also The Dreaming from Cy Spurrier, which will follow the Sandman supporting characters like Lucy and the Librarian and Matthew the Raven as they navigate a dreaming without dream. And, of course, Lucifer. Dan Waters will write Lucifer, which finds the titular devil blind and destitute, trapped, living in a small boarding house in a quiet town where no one can ever leave. And hmm. that is what is on its way. So, and just to be clear, these these are continuations of the storylines that ran during the initial, the original runs. Like, this is a continuation of the original Lucifer. Cause, no, this is a, I think this is a continuation of Lucifer from the latest run. Is it not? Because I think because the because uh, they they did the Lucifer book when the TV show came out, but I think it was designed to be a separate series. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming that with this stuff, because all all this is tying back into presumably the original Sandman universe, that this is a continuation of the Mike Carey Peter Gross mm -hmm. uh, Lucifer series, which I never finished, but what I did read of it was really good. Uh, and it's um, one of those things that I really need to go back and like actually read. Now I didn't. Uh, I don't see it here, but another. <laughs> Uh, there's some other articles that had, you know, Gaiman talking about uh, a bit about the book, and you can find a lot more information than what we're giving you here. Um, but they definitely acknowledge that that latest series that came out uh, was not very good, and they're like, "Don't, don't worry, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna get things back on the right track." Right. I mean, they 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 developed the series as a way to cash in with the, you know, the show yeah. coming out, and the show is obviously a, a big departure from you know, the original comics. So, mm. uh, now if Gaiman wasn't a part of this, then Gaiman. dang it, old habits, man. If Gaiman wasn't a part of this, then I would like, I would be a lot more skeptical. Uh, but since he's really hands on with this, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what happens. You know, let's, let's find out how this is all going to play out. Maybe this will prompt me to actually go and complete reading the All of Sandman. I so, think I left off running volume five or something. That's like that's kind of where I'm at because I buy one volume a year when I go back to my old comic shop in Phoenix, and I, you know, it, it's really slow going when you're only reading one volume a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of just need I need to kind of get to a point where I just get it and finish it. 
Yeah, and I mean, with I know with like for me in gaming, like I love his writing, but it's very dense. So like I, sometimes I feel like I have to be in a very specific mindset in order to read it. And I'm sure I'm in that mindset semi frequently, but if I don't have it nearby, which I don't own, I think when I was originally reading it, someone let me borrow them, and then I was borrowing others from the library. But if it's not in front of me, and I'm in that mood. Yeah, well, well, I lose the moment. Sandman too. Those early, you know, there I, there is sort of a storyline pulling through. But in a lot of ways, especially those early volumes, are just these different vignettes of stuff that either Dream is doing now or Dream has done in the past. Or, like, here's a little story about death, you know, doing whatever death does. Right. Um, which is, like, not to say that those are bad, but it's kind of hard to feel pressure of staying on those books when, you know, when there's not a, a storyline that I am following Fair, fair, fair. You know, and I, but I, and it's definitely just one of the things where you got to power through it. So hopefully, well, when does this this imprint uh, start? I don't think. Um, I don't know if they said so. It was originally uh, based on. It was originally supposed to come out two years ago, uh, and it was supposed to be announced then as well with someone else at the helm. Um, but it just, I guess, took some time. Let's see. So it was originally announced via Entertainment Weekly, which I swear if this video autoplays with sound, I'm going to punch a baby. Okay, we're oh good. Oh, my God, Dave. That's how much I hate auto. Kicks off this August. Comes okay, out. kicks off this August. Uh, very cool. I, yeah. It, it's it's one of those things, you know, like like you, you hear before Watchmen, you're like, do we really have to do this? And then you hear like this. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Like, I'm into it. Woo! I think the only reason people like give a shit about Before Watchmen is with how outspoken Alan Moore because was Before about. Watchmen wasn't very good. It's, I mean, art wise, Before Watchmen was fantastic. Oh yeah, and my, from my understanding, like obviously, I don't think every miniseries lived up to its potential, but like not all of them were inherently bad. Uh, not that I've read it. I've like started to read some of them and just, I don't care enough about Watchmen till I wasn't as invested. Um, but obviously like Alan Moore is very, very outspoken about basically the commercialization of ideas and blah, 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 blah. Neil Gaiman is a bit more, you know, kosher to it. And he's like come back and forth and sort of allowing these ideas to be reused and proliferate and, you know, dreams showing up a couple of times in the DC universe death has. Um, so actually coming back and expanding on the Sandman universe, uh, it doesn't feel like you're um, disregarding the intent and wishes of the original creators. Mm -hmm. And what I love too is sort of like how Alan Moore, you know, has now these books that he's just like every once in a while I'm gonna write them and I'm just gonna have you know fun I, when I feel like revisiting these characters I will. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of how it feels with Sandman. Like you know he's obviously willing to turn over the keys to the kingdom a little bit and have some other play, people play around, but it wouldn't be surprising if like any one of these books it was like. And now we're going to do a one shot written by Neil Gaiman. You know, he would, he would, could just step in and be like, well, here's my little story about what's going on over here. And then uh, we'll return you back to your regular programming. <laughs> um, let's see some quick hits. Uh, Doctor Strange's Mar a fresh start for Marvel was announced, a new number one, of course, yeah. uh, written by Mark Wade and drawn by uh, Jesus Sayez. Um, will be taking the good doctor to space, which admittedly, I don't think he's really hung out there that much before. Like yeah. I'm sure he's been there, but like a story that kind of focuses Dr. Strand space, like a taking a character out of his normal element. I, I always like those ideas. So I'm definitely curious about this. And know. Jesus's uh, artwork is, is uh, always a treat to see. And it works um, for power Rangers. Jesus says has worked on power, no, Rangers. power Rangers going into space. Oh, right, Power Rangers base. That's where I left off with Power Rangers. Um, yeah, so that is really interesting. Any thoughts on that, David? Mm, nope, not cool. really. And, of course, also with Marvel's Fresh Start, we're getting the Life of Captain Marvel number one, which you know will probably end up being a six-issue, will, will effectively become a six-issue miniseries because once it's done telling the origin of Captain Marvel, you're not going to have an ongoing series called yeah. The Life of Captain Marvel, so it will just go back to Captain Marvel number one next year. Um but it's continuing with writer Margaret Stoll, who's been writing writing the mighty Captain Marvel, and this will feature art by Carlos Pacheo, um, or Pacquio. Uh, and it will feature uh, Captain Marvel having, I guess, a panic attack in the middle of a fight, uh, which leads to her rediscovering her roots and a retelling of her origins. Just um, in time for the movie. 
just in time for the movie. I think though, with Captain Marvel as a character that yes, Marvel you know is, has been trying to promote and and bump up for years now, and I you know some people like shit on her like aesthetically, like Captain Marvel looks awesome. And mm-hmm. I think Carol Danvers has the potential to be a really interesting character, yeah. but when it comes to her her publishing history, there's been a lot of problematic stuff done with her. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever hear about the story about how she gave birth to her own son that had sex with her? No. Obviously anyway, not. Uh, I'll I'll look for a link and send it to you. But it's stuff like that. Um, and I'll be curious. Like they they uh, Margaret Stoll does say that like elements like the Cree and all that are go are still going to play a role in her origin. Uh, what I will be curious about is how much they like. First off, in the movie, I doubt. Oh, there's been rumors that they that Marvel. The original Captain Marvel for Marvel Comics might mm-hmm. play a role in the Captain Marvel movie. Uh, so if that's the case, then it probably won't get taken out of her origin. But I'd be curious if that's not what happens in the movie that Captain that this Captain that Carol Danvers is the one and only Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. If they'll do some revision to sort of, I don't think I don't think they're going to remove the Marvel history, but they might remove it from Carol's. This is just speculation on my part. It'll be very interesting to see what they end up coming up with, whether or not I end up actually reading the series itself. Um, lot like this is a book where like she's going she's revisiting her past which prompts a retelling so to me it sounds like it's going to take primarily in the present with uh, flashbacks to the past and i'd rather they just do just like a captain marvel origins miniseries if they're going to go that route Mm -hmm. but anyway those are my thoughts well all right then why don't we just go ahead and hop on over into our reviews to the batmobile let's go nick you read the terrifics number one tell us a little bit about that huh yeah, so I read the Terrific number one, but really I'm uh, I'm just gonna say I read Fantastic Four number one. Um, it features a character that can stretch. It features a character that is monstrously ugly. Uh, it features someone. Well, this person turns intangible instead of invisible, and then Mister Terrific is super smart. Um, so yeah, it's the Fantastic Four. Uh, which is fine. The Fantastic Four is a great, um, you know, simple yet uh, endearing concept uh, in the comic landscape. Landscape, and being that Marvel seems to refuse to publish a Fantastic Four book, why not have DC take a crack? Do they succeed though? I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure. I have to be honest. Like I, there's a, I felt like there was a part of me that as I was reading this book, like I'm like, I don't think this book is very good, but at the same time. I really liked it. Hmm. So it was just one of those things where I could acknowledge that the quality of the book might not be what I was hoping for, but there's something about the nugget of the idea, at least of these four characters getting together with whatever their circumstances are uh, and how that story could potentially develop. It might end up disappointing me in the end, but I'm very tempted to um, pick up the next issue. And the things that kind of bothered me was I didn't feel like the writing was very strong. Um, you know, there was there was just some like dialogue in the very beginning where like Mr. Drew was like, "Hello, Java, I need to see your boss," um, and then like Java is basically saying, "Frankly, I am surprised he agreed to see you at all." So it's not like Mr. Drew showed up and was like demanding to see someone. Like he was already going there because someone requested an audience with him, which just it just seemed like he was showing up to kind of like be a dick uh, when it was like unnecessary. Which I mean, I guess humans can can be that way. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Um, there's aspects like. Uh, so one thing we learned in this series is that while Mr. Terrific was off traveling the multiverse, Stag Industries um, uh, acquired uh, Michael Holt's or Michael Holt, who is Mr. Terrific's uh, company, uh, and he's been messing with uh, Mr. Stag has been messing with Mr. Terrific's in, uh, inventions, and this apparently led to him opening a portal to the Dark Multiverse, which obviously anything relating to Dark Knight's metal knocks a point off in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he's here in this facility, and, like, his daughter just happens to be here. And I know in, like, classic Metamorpho, like, stories, like, it usually involves Mr. Stag, Sapphire Stag, and Metamorpho. But it just felt like like characters were just here because it's familiar, assuming you know Metamorpho at all. But, like, it, I don't really know why Sapphire was there, like, helping her dad with the experiment. Like, some of the details just aren't really clear, so it felt like the composition of the scene, the narrative wasn't as well thought out as it could have been um but the book really picks up when they release plastic man and i thought like the second half of the book once plastic man came in and kind of wakes up from his egg state 
uh, and they're stuck in the dark multiverse and they're kind of going around. I thought the banter between Metamorpho, Plastic Man, and Mr. Terrific um, was pretty well done. Um, one of the other weaker points, which hopefully is just something that is a character that will develop uh, more strongly in future issues, is Phantom Girl or Phantom Lasser. I don't think I don't know what name they're going to go with her. Um, a character that's, that I, I don't think it's the same character from the Legion of Superheroes, but she's modeled after someone from the Legion of Superheroes. When they get trapped in the Dark Multiverse, they land on this thing that basically looks like, like uh, a Galactus that got like eaten out. Um, when it's actually a really really cool two page spread by Ivan Reese. Um, but Phantom Girl basically shows up as like, I've been stuck here for God knows how long. And like, I can't get out of my intangible state. Uh, and like my social skills seem to be intact, even though I could really have been here for like a hundred of thousands of years. Um, so it was just like, again, weak point. She didn't really have a whole lot to do. She just shows up right towards the end of the issue. So hopefully the next issue gives us a bit more spotlight on Phantom Girl. Um, and maybe what she's all about. Um, yeah. So there, there's a, a bunch that happens in this book, uh, the characters, the individual characters and, and them coming together as a unit, um, it ended up being the strongest moment for me, which is maybe what's propelling me to the next issue. Uh, also the fact, and this, I guess is a spoiler, but this just what we do on this show, um, right. features Tom strong from Alan Moore's ABC comics line that he did with DC. Um, but, and I don't know if you knew this, but like recently they also had Promethea, another Alan Moore creation mm. show up in justice league of America. So it's interesting that DC's, diving into that particular catalog of comics and, and integrating them into the DC universe. I really like Tom Strong. I read a lot of his uh, earlier comics with the Alan Moore did. Um, so I'll be very, very curious to see how his storyline and all this, this whole thing develops. But really, the end of the day, the Terrific's number one is the Fantastic Four. So uh, I guess if you like the Fantastic Four and you like weird science mysteries, uh, check it out. Very cool. Well, I read this week a book from Black Mask Studios, so I, I went off the beaten path quite a bit to check out The Wilds, number one. This is a book by Vita Ayala, uh, with art by Emily Pearson, colored by Marissa Louise. The synopsis is after a cataclysmic plague sweeps across America, survivors come together to form city-state-like communities for safety, Daisy Walker is a runner for the compound. He makes a post-apocalyptic postal service and black market salvaging operation and is the runner's job to ferry items and people between settlements and on occasion scavenge through the ruins of the old world. Daisy is the best there is at what she does. Out beyond the settlement walls are innumerable dangers, feral animals, crumbling structures, and abominations, those that were touched by the plague and become something else. After a decade of surviving, Daisy isn't phased by any of it until her lover, another runner named Heather, goes missing on a job. Desperate to find her, Daisy begins to see that there may be little difference between the world, inside the walls, and horrors beyond. So this is a... A uh, book that you're probably not familiar with, I was not familiar with, but I decided, hey, it's you know, it's a new number one from a small studio. Let's uh, let's take a look at it. Sounds interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, it does sound interesting, right? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think a, a lot of the ideas are as strongly presented in the issue. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where. It's vague how long it's been since the world ended. Uh, you know, in this synopsis here, it says like 10 years. So, you know, it's a decade plus. That's a little bit kind of unknown. Um, so, you know, people have very distinct, strong memories of like, quote unquote, the old world. But this is one of those things where it's like everybody has all these different names now for like each other. Like, oh, well, you were one of those nomads and like I had to do like this, blah, blah, blah. It's one of those things where it's like, I just, I don't know if I believe that the world would change like that in 10 years. Uh, like languages and names sometimes can take a while to change. Um, you Are know, you saying that, that it's been 10 years since the world ended or whatever? Yeah, since this thing started. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of like introduced to it. We're like, oh, well, they said, you know, we heard about it on the news. It became water cooler talk. But, like, if it was really serious, like, the president would say something about it. And it's like, he probably, like, would have because if it was, like, a disease spreading, like, I mean – the, you know, I'm not talking about like Donald Trump here. I'm not like going to get, it doesn't get into political in that realm, but it's like, you know, 
presidents talk about a lot <laughs> of stuff. Uh, and it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, first it kind of just like makes you a little like catatonic and run down. But then suddenly you're like wild and you're a monster running in the streets trying to bite people's faces. Uh, so it's like sort of like zombie, but uh, they have flowers growing out of their faces. That's like, quote unquote, the abominations um, that are walking around. Anyway, uh, you know, they, they're like, you're from the compound. You're from medical. And it's cool to name these places, but I don't get a sense of them at all. Uh, I don't really also even really get the sense of like a runner. We open up on Daisy, you know, talking to someone who's like, well, here's some stuff for you to take. And she like just she drives back to the compound, stopping to like save a guy who she like takes with her. But, but it's like there's a place called the compound. There's a place called medical. So these are places with highly specialized purposes. But like people don't seem to really know what's going on in them. You know, it seems like if that, if these places were that specialized, like there would be some interchange here going on. Um, I hate, you know, I hate saying like, as a number one, we'll see how stuff plays out, but I would have liked to have really had a sense of this world a bit more in this first issue. Um, it's just not a lot making it stand out from other quote-unquote post-apocalyptic stories that are out there uh there's there's really no new ideas presented here i mean there is a uh one of the abominations gets like killed and then one of the other ones like drags it to a tree and it starts like growing into like the flowers on it start like growing up part of the tree and like that's kind of cool like that's a cool kind of idea but I mean, that's not explored or like gone anywhere. And like having just seen Annihilation this last weekend, like that too is not a new idea of like human bodies growing stuff and becoming parts of plants. Slight spoilers for Annihilation, guys. Uh, the art by Emily Pearson. Emily Pearson seems like a really good artist. I looked up her Twitter account and saw some more of her art and she is like very competent. Um but she doesn't seem like she's done a lot of comic work. So I, it seems like she's might be a, a little young, still fairly new to the game. So I think there is a lot of room for improvement. Um, not necessarily like in a bad way. Um, I don't want to like rag on this book. It's just like, okay, you know, the bodies are a little stiff at times and the expressions on the faces aren't the best, but Hey, you know, keep it up, keep up the practices. Like looking at her art, like there's some really cool expressive stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see like what, you know, where this artist can go. I, I guess just like my issue with the book right now. Um, and it's not to say that it's bad. It's just, it's okay. Uh, it's just that there's not enough separating it from other post-apocalyptic stories, other, other zombies, but with a twist stories and perhaps down the road, it, it can do that. But if it's your first issue, if it's your first debut, like, you got to show me how this is unique. And unfortunately right now it's not feeling very unique. So, Interesting. Yeah. It's just, oh. it's my thoughts on it. Can't win them all, I guess. Nope. Well, Nick, a book that constantly wins is a book that we both read. Saga is back. Saga number 49. Brian K. The saga of saga continues. Yep. Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples are back at it. And boy, Things are going to get crazy yet again for people who kind of need a reminder of where we kind of left off last time. Marco and Alana and Hazel are now traveling around with uh, Prince Robot. And I tried looking it up because it's like Prince Robot the fourth, but a lot of people online pronounce it IV, um, which is what I do. <laughs> Prince Robot IV uh, and Petricor. That's her name, right? Yeah, Petricor, and a couple of journalists who they've had run-ins with the past. So they're all together in a ship flying around while being pursued by someone who has the will captured. I'm not going to get into who these characters exactly are because there's like 48 issues of history. You know, that's just kind of letting you know where this one's launching off from. Nick, 49 issues. Is Saga keeping it up? Are they still doing it? <laughs> saga still have stamina. Um, uh, yeah, no, Saga is just... So in a lot of ways, the initial uh, allure of Saga has worn off. 
Like it's a book that, you know, we're coming on 49 issues and each and for general, like maybe there's been some weak issues here or there, but as a series, it's a, it has a very strong authorial creative voice and aesthetic. Um, in a lot of ways, we're kind of in a point where uh, if, if, if Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples has an end in mind for the book, we're, we're so far off that it doesn't really matter. So we're really in a moment where whatever big events happen in this book uh, or in this arc, I should say, like we're really just kind of living with these characters now. Like things, events happen, choices are made. Some people die, some people change, blah, 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 blah. But like, it, it just feels like a very lived in world now where it's like, we might go issues without seeing like Gwendolyn or in this case, the will. And like, here he is, he pops back up. Um, and we get check-ins with certain characters. We realize that what maybe like a little, what seemed like a little narrative in an early issue, you know, like like the two journalists has come back and has has taken on new meaning and a new focus in these in these current issues. So, um, the saga still have it. Saga does. Gasp. Um, but what's what's interesting here? Um, I don't know. It's it definitely feels like an issue where it's like it's it's spending some time with like here's where how everything is now. You know, like there was a, obviously like the, the previous arc, like em, emotional stuff happened. There was like yeah, it was a little to... more quiet. There was some action, but it wasn't as big a threat to the family as it has been in the past. Right. No one really felt at stake. It felt like it was more like shuffling around character yeah. dynamics, like pairing up robot and Petrichor, mm-hmm. uh, and then th- them having to uh, expel the, the the dead fetus. Um, and you know, all, and, uh, all, the, all the stuff with the sun and all that. Right. Uh, this issue kind of feels like we're, you know, we knew by the end of the last arc that like every, every, a lot of the, the big players have been reunited. And now this is sort of like, here's what life is like currently. Uh, and of course, by the end of the, the last page on this issue, uh, we're getting the vibe that some real shit's going to go down. We don't even know what shit we know that, you know, robot has come to speak to the journalists and has information on how, um, the, the comet Fang was a hit job, um, which mm-hmm. could definitely, you know, blow some things wide open. Um, but, but it really is just about the, in a lot, in a lot of ways, this book is really just about the character relationships. And what I'm really fascinated about right now is the developing friendship relationship, siblingship or whatever between Squire and Hazel, mm-hmm. uh, especially the, the, the brief scene in here where like Hazel basically makes a crack about, yeah, well, you look dumb without a mom, oh, which, Hazel. Is such, which is such a douchey kid thing to say. Right, which like, is that, that is believably a thing a kid would say. Uh, cause little kids are mean guys. If you don't, if you don't know, little kids are real yeah. assholes. I'm pretty sure I called my brother a demon spawn in church once. So, you know, and you meant it yeah, a little bit. Um, we got better work. My brother and I very close, very chummy. Like it's all good. You know, anyway, that's not the point of this. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those issues where like now I just want to get to the rest of the arc because it's like all right, thanks for showing me business as usual. Like you're throwing some ideas at here. Uh, I think this book does need, and hopefully this arc is the thing it, it needs, especially go and also going into issue fifty um, next month. Like mm. like it definitely I think needs some big shakeups. I don't know in what form they should take. I don't really have my own idea. This is also definitely kind of a book for me where I don't spend a lot of time speculating on like how character relationships will change or what this really means as far as the greater conflict and yada, yada, yada. I really just kind of read it and I'm along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. Cause it's like, you know, I, I was, I was almost going to say something of like, well, no, like major character has died in a while, but like there's been a lot of death. Like there's been no character that we've been attached to for a while that has passed. Um, we'll have characters introduced for in arc or, or so. And like when they, you know, get killed, it's it's certainly sad, but not somebody, you know, that we have known for, uh, you know, because like Isabella, uh, I believe that was the baby. I know something like that. Uh, Isabel, I think it was just Isabel. Isabel. Yeah. So Isabel was introduced in like issue one and then died, uh, you know. Two arcs ago. Two no, arcs she ago. She died in the war, war of Fang. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I guess, yeah, she did make it quite, quite a while. Uh, so that was a fairly recent thing. But it's, again, when you say shakeup, it's like either, you know, someone's got to like, someone's got to die or some of these characters have got to get separated um, because it's kind of hard one. Like they're all in one place to really, 
I don't know, like they feel safer when they're all together. Uh, and when, you know, when people are spread out, things feel like, or like even just be like, Hey, I'm retiring from the store. You know, like I'm, I'm out my part and this is done. Like the grandmother, Marco's like, mother. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause she's just hanging out in prison. I'm sure she'll be back at some point in some right. way or another. Um, but one thing I'm really interested about in this storyline is, uh, the thing that happens at the end where, you know, Prince robot, uh, is like, Hey, here's this information and I'm, I'll do it in exchange for like, for, uh, for me and my son and Petricor to get new bodies. Um, which would like make all of us happy. So he's making these assumptions about like what, uh, Petricor and his son want. Uh, and of course he's like not super on board with it, but he's like saying that he is, but what about that? That's going to be really interesting is the conversation that's going to come out of this about Petricor and, and body and identity and all that. Hopefully, um, oh, I didn't even think about that because they they had introduced this whole new idea that like they have powerful magic or technology or whatever that can basically give you a whole new body. Yeah, and and Petricor, for those who might not remember or who like don't know, is is transsexual, and you know, for first of all, for someone else to make a decision about her body is like a big deal, uh, and she she identifies as female, right? Like, they, yeah, yeah, they refer to Petricor as she, um, and yeah like so someone else making decisions about her body and also like you know it, it's not an issue of species it's an issue of like gender so it's like like you know would there be happiness of like oh i can finally be you know a, a biologically a woman but i wouldn't be like it wouldn't be my body you know like there's a lot of like really interesting ways that can go uh, and so I, I'm just hoping that they do give some room to that conversation. Right. I wasn't even thinking of that when I read it, but I think that's definitely an el an aspect of the story they could take into. And obviously, I mean, obviously with Petricor, it brings elements of like, you know, trans, trans and, you know, I, I, uh, gender and sex identification. Um, but you also have to imagine for people that maybe aren't dealing with things like being transsexual that like even robot like that you know because also the, to be clear the people offering this to them are this like amphibious like aquatic people mm -hmm. and it, it, what i got when they were offering to marco and alana was that the, the your choice is to become one of the amphibious yeah no that, that's straight up what they said is like you have to become one of us it's not like we can give you like new landfall bodies Right. And, like and what's for me, and I don't think it's ever going to get that far. I, uh, presumably this is all just going to blow up in their faces anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like, let's just say Prince Robot, like he, it's not like he's like a lot of the characters, whether they be amphibious or they have horns or wings, like they're all fairly humanoid and Prince Robot's humanoid, but he's got a freaking television for a head. Mm -hmm. um, like, how do you go from like having that and like how the thing displays and like, how does that affect you like physiologically mm. to going to look to become like a, one of the amphibious people. Yeah, no, that's, that's also, because, you know, we don't really know how they see or eat, uh, <laughs> but they do take in sustenance. It's, you know, and you know, the bodies do have some level of transformative ability. Already. Have we seen them? Eat? We saw, we saw, I mean, we've seen his hand can change into a gun so i guess they could maybe he and just he, turned and like he, a hand mouth yeah and, and he mentions like that he's been quote-unquote fluid which i don't know if that just means like sexually or like gender wise it's a lot of, i got a lot of questions about these robot people <laughs> like why is the king's head so big right like what and yeah, he's just huge so what i'm hoping for this art because also another thing is that coming up on 50 issues like regardless of this book tries to like walk and get it and just go on indefinitely like for 50 ish or almost 50 issues now, like these characters have been constantly on the run. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's part of the appeal of the book, but I feel like at some point, like that narrative kind of runs dry. Yeah, so I, whether I, yeah. they, if they can shift it in a way where maybe they're still on some way on the run, but like their circumstances are very different, but in a lot of ways, even though they've kind of settled here for a bit, they've really, they've always been in hiding. And I feel like a, a great flip could potentially be that like somehow through like the story being released or some sort of weird politicking within the universe that like mm -hmm. they're able to kind of step out into the light more. Like I, and I feel like that's where it's billing to, with their talk of like the story needs to get out here and you've got the asset the uh the assassin lady that's that has the will captured um being like i want to blow this story wide open uh i feel like it, we're getting to a point where either 
they decided for themselves or gets decided for them, like the rest of the universe is going to learn about this couple. Mm -hmm. And also with everybody being stuck together, you know, this world has been so rich and it's been so fun to like see these different planets uh, and see these different societies that like when everybody is together, there's not someone out there exploring and Mm -hmm. it would be real nice to see some more of this universe, which I'm sure is coming. But that, you know, Saga, it's a great book. It's out there. And we would also love to hear what you have to say about it. And as we're winding down, Nick, very, very important question. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Nick, do you have anything to recommend? No. Come on, man. Do you? Yeah, so I've been uh, been doing some reading recently. Not Not comic books, but actual physical books <laughs> and... You know, we, we, we do a comic book podcast and, uh, you know, that's pretty nerdy, but this actually feels way more nerdy than, uh, than that. Uh, and what, what I'm saying here is that I've, I've recently been reading what is known as the Thrawn trilogy. And this is a series of Star Wars novels. Uh, it's really kind of my first dip into the old extended universe, what is now considered legends, I guess. So like it may have happened. It didn't though, but here's like elements of it did happen. Uh, you might be familiar out there with the character of Mara Jade or have heard that name before, um, as part of the star Wars universe. And this is the series in which Mara Jade, uh, first appeared. Um, and I would say she's probably the most famous character of the EU, uh, just like a quick overview, it is five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, and you know the the New Republic is gaining strength. The Empire looks like it's dying out, but then like this new adversary, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is a a Grand Admiral of the Empire, takes control of things, and he is a force to be reckoned with. Not an actual Force user himself, but he. Uh, is a brilliant strategist and uh, and really starts to cause some trouble. So if you have any interest in some, you know, fun additional Star Wars stories, then check out the Thrawn trilogy. It's also known as the Heir to the Empire trilogy. The first book is Heir to the Empire, and then there's Dark Force Rising and The Last Command. Hmm. So those are out there. Check them out. And to be, uh, just I don't know if you knew this, but Marvel recently released a one-shot about Thrawn that takes he, place within the new canon. He also is on Star Wars Rebels, so the character is around uh, in some capacity. Um, but I think Rebels takes place before the movies, which, I mean, it still you know would be fine because Thrawn was a Grand Admiral of the Empire. Uh, anyway. Guys, thank you so much for giving our show a listen. Uh, I know you're probably like, hey, don't interviews come out this week? But we just had like a wonky schedule lately. So we want to just get little things back on track a bit, and we will have an interview show next week. Uh, but you can reach out to us and, you know, let us know who you want us to talk to uh, over at heckyacomics.com or heckyacomics at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at heckyacomics. You can find me around the Internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, find me there. I'm also on two other shows, Brokebot Mountain and Movie Go Round. Google those. You'll find them. And you can find Nick, I don't know, picking his toenails or something. That's a private thing I like to do, David, a private thing. And, of course, you can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.